Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat, the designer. Bear on Bears fans, welcome into another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. We are continuing our uh, Packers week breakdown. And so shout out to Courtney, Courtney Cronin in the building, getting us the eye on the enemy episode. And here as we welcome in our guest, Matt Schneidman into the podcast. Matt covers the Packers for the athletic. Matt, how are you doing? I'm great. Enjoying a nice – is the air quality as bad there in Chicago oh, as God. it is up here in Green Bay? It's, it's terrible. Like, it's still pretty bad. I it's literally horrible. was laying on the couch. I couldn't lay on my left side last night because of the smoke. Like, I felt like – That's I, intense. Are you no, sure it's just the smoke? No, legit. I, I, well, I don't know. It might have been <laughs> gas. I have no idea. It wasn't the shower beers, first okay. off. But <laughs> – no, like I legit like I was like, is this what and my guy was like? Yeah, that's how smokers feel every day. And I was like, why do they do this to themselves? Yeah, this it, is terrible. So it's pretty bad up in Green Bay, Matt. Yeah, it's I think the air quality is like 240 or something. It's really hazy. But that's why uh, I'm excited to be inside talking football with with you two. Can't go wrong there. Uh, I mean, let's jump right into this. I think, by the way, like the video, subscribe to the page. If you're listening on the podcast side, we listen. F- we have it five days a week. Leave a five-star review. Stop playing around with us. Bear down out here. I have to ask you this, Matt, because uh, this is where everything starts, right? This is where the questioning on the Packers starts. Aaron Rodgers is no longer there. You've been able to get an early look at Jordan Love. What should Bears fans kind of expect to see from the quarterback that we're going to face in week one? Is he progressing in the right direction the way the Packers are uh, hoping for? I would say he's progressing well. You're not going to get Aaron Rodgers. Uh, that That is probably that a is welcome good. sign for Bears fans. Yeah. But listen, you know, Matt LaFleur sat down with us at the owners meetings in Phoenix a couple months ago and said, temper expectations. We got to temper expectations for this kid. He's 24. Don't expect him to play like Aaron Rodgers. So they understand that there could be some growing pains. Now it's cliche to say this, and it's kind of a cop-out, but nobody really knows what he's truly going to be as a starter until he gets in consistent, meaningful game action. This is his fourth year in the league, and he's only started one game. That was against the Chiefs in 2021 when Rodgers tested positive for COVID that week, and Love did not play well. You know, I think the Chiefs had 16 quarterback pressures that game. He's played sparingly. You know, when mop-up duty and when Rodgers thought he punctured his lung against the Eagles last year, Love played a quarter. But we don't really know, and the Packers don't even know what they have in this kid until he really plays a lot of snaps. Now, that's not going to stop anybody from overreacting after week one. It's going to be Bears fans are in for another 15 years of hell with Jordan Love, or they finally conquered the Packers and this kid's a bust. So, I can't wait for the post-week one reactions after that game. Yeah, it's going to be absurd, as it always is, whenever these two teams play. But, I mean, Pat and I were talking about it the other day. It's been such a lopsided rivalry since the Packers took hold of the record um, edge back in after the 2016 season. But, you know, what has it been like, this transition process in Green Bay, where you've had stability for 30 years, more or less, Brett Favre than Aaron Rodgers, and now... It's the unknown, which is probably pretty uncomfortable. I mean, for fans, for sure. But inside the organization, is there kind of that same feeling that the unknown and these uncharted waters that they have yet to go through are, you know, 
it's a little different, I'm sure, for people in the front office and the coaching staff knowing that the quarterback is a completely different person than it's been for so long. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just the quarterback position that looks different. It's pretty much all across the offense. I mean, the most experienced receiver they have is Christian Watson, who played like 11 games as a rookie last year. Uh, they don't have Mercedes Lewis or Robert Tunyon, who's obviously down in Chicago, with y'all in the tight end room anymore. They drafted two rookies in the second and third round to play tight end. They still have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in a very experienced offensive line, but this is a massive transition in, in Green Bay, not just at the quarterback spot, but with how this entire team really looks. It's an extremely young team, and you can kind of sense in the locker room an excitement about – you know, it's always cliche when these players say, oh, they count us out, they prove us wrong. But I think there really is a, a tangible feel in the locker room of let's show that this team is not just about the quarterback and we can rally behind Jordan Love. Jordan Love has a lot of fans in that locker room. By all accounts, you know, both behind closed doors and in front of podiums and microphones when people talk, this is a guy who has the utmost respect of everybody around him who's carried himself the right way through an unenviable situation these first three years of his career so I think more than anything it's just intrigue about how this all is going to play out now maybe Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst aren't as at ease and looking forward to it as some others since their jobs depend on uh, kind of this uncertainty that's that's about to come here in Green Bay but I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a very different situation without Aaron Rodgers there. But what do you think the game plan is, right? Of course, still having two dynamic running backs in that backfield. What do you think the Packers game plan is going to be to try and make life as easy as possible for uh, Jordan Love? Because I think that's the thing. You kind of have to still approach this, even though he's been in the league, what, three years now? Like he's a rookie quarterback. Mm -hmm. So you got to give him a lot of those rookie quarterback um, helpers, right? The running the ball a ton, trying to run some RPO with this guy. What do you expect to see from uh, the Packers' offense this season to try and make things easier for Jordan Love? You said it. They got to run the ball. They got to be one of the best running teams in the NFL. They have, as I said, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, which you can make the case is the best running back tandem in the league. And they returned 13 guys from their offensive line last year, including all five of their starters. You know, David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins were the two Pro Bowl starters on the left side of the NFC offensive line in 2020, and then both went through torn ACLs. They were really never consistently healthy last season. Now they are. So if yeah. the Packers can get both of them healthy, then they have Josh Myers, John Runyon Jr., and Zach Tom on the right side. They were a top 10 offensive line last year with a lot of injuries and moving parts. Knock on wood, I know there's always injuries on the offensive line, but if they can stay healthy up front and get a running game going, that should really open up a lot of things for Jordan Love, especially in the play-action passing game, which we know how well Aaron Rodgers did in over his time here. Remind me, is Aaron Jones in a contract year? He, I believe, has one more year left after this. So before the 2020 season... No, before the 2021 season, he signed a new four-year deal. So he still has two years left. Okay. So, I mean, the offensive additions they made, they kind of left the backfield alone because it was a very efficient efficient backfield. I mean, Jones had 1,000 yards for a third straight season, but we did see some additions at the tight end position too. <clears throat> drafted tight ends you mentioned the departure of Robert Tanyan what wh why is that so important to what they're doing in Green Bay of course we 
you know, saw maybe they would try to have a little bit of a spiteful fun for Aaron Rodgers in round one and draft a wide receiver. They didn't end up going that route. But the two tight ends that they added in the draft, what can you tell us about how they're going to fit into this offense? Yeah, I think these tight ends are built differently than any really that have been here in a long time, maybe since Jermichael Finley a long, long time ago. Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State and Tucker Craft out of South Dakota, um, the second and third round picks respectively, really built, athletic, can get downfield. And as you guys will see with Robert Tunyon, he has incredible hands, yeah. but he's not the quickest. You know, he's a really surefire catcher, but he's not entirely explosive. And Mercedes Lewis, arguably the best blocking tight end in the NFL, they don't have either of those kind of physiques and skill sets here anymore. Now, I can guarantee you there's people inside the building who would like a Mercedes Lewis to show these guys the ropes to block the edge since he was like a sixth offensive lineman. But they have two really pass-catching prominent tight ends in this offense for Jordan Love. Different than what they've had at the tight end spot the past couple of years. Matt LaFleur likes to play two tight ends, especially with a team that has such a good running game like the Packers do. But Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft, just watching them in OTAs and minicamp, even against no defenders, just the way they glide across the field. I know it's all cliche at this time of year, but the way they can catch the ball and really explode through the catch is something that I think should have Packer fans intrigued, especially since they haven't really had like a Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, George Kittle type here in, I don't know, forever. I'm not saying those guys are going to be like any of those four, but there's at least hope that they could be. All right, so here's here's where you know the Chicago Bears podcast. We can't get two Packers love out here, right? <laughs> of course, too much of that. You know what I mean? No, no disrespect, Matt, but you know, <laughs> uh, I think here's the real question that Bears fans want to know: Where do you think the Packers' weaknesses are going to be on this defense this season, on this offense this season? Where are you most concerned about this Packers team, so that the Bears can listen to this podcast and figure out how best to attack them? <laughs> At the safety spot, uh, I think it's easily the biggest question on the team. The defense as a whole has kind of underperformed the past couple of years under defensive coordinator Joe Barry. Um, they have eight first-round picks on the defensive side of the ball now that they drafted Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa this year. But, you know, they've been really inconsistent the past two years on defense as a whole. They have one great half of the season, then one terrible. But I'm going to go safety because Adrian Amos, who your listeners know very well, started every single game he played for the Packers the last four years, and they chose not to re-sign him in free agency. He signed with the Jets for about $4 million, I believe. They have Darnell Savage Jr. and Rudy Ford, two guys who did not play well last season, and they're just running it back with those two. On the outside, at corner, they're pretty set with Jair Alexander and Rasul Douglas, but any team who looks at this Packers secondary and says these guys are trotting out Darnell Savage and Rudy Ford to defend against the deep ball. And especially with a team like DJ Moore and Darnell Mooney and some of the deep weapons that the Bears have who were effective against the Packers last year at times, that should really get the mouthwatering, I think, because if I'm an opposing team, I look to go deep over the middle against this Packers secondary and who they have at safety. I remember, I think it was during OTAs, David Bakhtiari's comments about, you know, when he was pro when, he, when somebody proposed the question about the rebuild and kind of where this team is, and we can't obviously, um, I can paraphrase what he said, but it was that it's not a rebuild. And I, I think you take a look at this roster, there's 43 players of the 90 in the offseason roster that were drafted, or your draft picks. And to see 
the direction they're heading. I I know there are people who are down on the Packers who think that this is going to be like a fall off the year, fall off the cliff sort of year. I don't see it like that. I don't, I understand it's, it's maybe not rebuilding, but it's a transition into something else. Do you kind of view the whole rebuild word the same way with this team, just the way that they're constructed right now, that it won't be as bad as maybe people think? Yeah, I think everyone has a different definition of rebuild. To me, it's, you know, you're trying to win still, but you're not expecting to, and you have no reason to win, like the Texans in in recent years. I think David Bakhtiari's point was he wanted to, what he said at least, was respect kind of Aaron Rodgers. He said when Aaron came in after Brett, I would have called it a rebuild, even though he wasn't there at the time. Uh, He said, you know, we're probably rebuilding just because we're starting anew at so many different positions. That doesn't mean we're not trying to win. That doesn't mean we're not going to win. That just means we're rebuilding parts of this team. So that's from a literal sense. I personally don't think the Packers are going to be as bad as other people do. Now, are they better at the quarterback position right now? No. It would be foolish to say they are. Going to Jordan Love is not a move made to give them a better chance to win right now. It's a move made for the long term. I think the Packers are still set up fine, especially in a weak division, because of the talent they have around Jordan Love. All they need from Jordan Love this year is for him to not lose them games. He doesn't need to be a game manager. He doesn't need to do anything outlandish. Just be a little bit above average. They have too much talent on the defensive side of the ball. Jair Alexander, Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, Devondre Campbell, Rasul Douglas, all guys with all pro potential. And then on offense, like I said, you have a top five offensive line if they stay healthy, a good running game. And yes, the unknowns are at the skill positions, but some intriguing pass catchers. And I don't see any reason this team can be better than last year, especially given you had a quarterback with a broken thumb for two thirds of the season last year. I'm not going to lie. It feels good to hear Packers fans talking like Bears fans have talked for the last 30 years. We got a, <laughs> we got a solid defense. We got a run game, some offensive line play. We're going to get this thing together. No, I, I think here's my thing. Here's my biggest question with the Packers is kind of the, the tough part of, is that you're getting Jordan Love, you're getting this reset in a year after Aaron Rodgers was still a phenomenal quarterback, right? Which means your schedule's still pretty set up for Aaron Rodgers to go out there and be your quarterback, and he's just not there. When you look at kind of how this season starts, I mean, Bears, Falcons, Saints, Lions, Raiders, okay, maybe you get a reprieve there, Broncos, Vikings, Rams, Steelers. it's, It's one of those situations where you can see where the wins come in, but that unknown is still there. How do you think that this Packers team is going to fare with the schedule that they have ahead of them? Do you think that, you know, I can see one of two things where there is that drop off the cliff and finally the team just goes, okay, we have to lose out. Or they could pretty much be a competitive team all year based on a lot of the things that you saw. Yeah, they don't play a team that made the playoffs last season until week eight, that Vikings game. It's a pretty favorable schedule on paper. Now, who knows what's going to happen? Jordan Love could stink, and they could start 0-3. They could lose to the Bears, Falcons, and Saints, and then people could be losing their minds over here. The city will be on fire. But, you know, on paper, it's a pretty favorable schedule. It's not until late in the season, well into the second half, where I think there's a stretch of Lions, Chiefs, Chargers, and Giants, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, with I think two of, the, two of those on the road. I think Lions and Giants are on the road, and then Chiefs and Chargers uh, Giants are on the road, Lions on the road, yep. Right. So, you know, 
They still have five primetime games, so the NFL obviously still likes the Packers as a national draw, but three of those are in kind of the flex territory. So the NFL brace themselves for, okay, if this kid stinks, we can flex these games out. But you mentioned that Raiders game. That's the one I'm looking forward to most. Did Devontae Adams versus Jair Alexander. They went at it in practice for so many years. I think that might be the most challenging game in the first half of the season just because Devontae knows this defense so well. But, yes, yeah, certainly uh, if you had to – write down a schedule yourself for Jordan Love to be able to get through his first eight games. It's pretty close to what the Packers have now. Yeah. What do you think about the state of the NFC, NFC North? Because it feels more open than we've seen it in probably since the time Aaron Rodgers started, you know, became the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Do you think that, as you look at the order, I mean, you mentioned Detroit as one of those games uh, this season. Like, they face them twice, obviously, with them being in the division, and many are picking Detroit to win the NFC North. Do you think that there's a chance Minnesota ends up in that spot? Do you think there's a chance that Green Bay actually finishes higher than the third spot in the NFC North, where I think a lot of odds right now have them? Yeah, I think this division's a toss-up more so than any in the NFL. I wouldn't be surprised if... Well, I would be a little surprised if the Bears finish first. I wouldn't be surprised if they finish second. You know, right now, I think it goes Vikings, Packers, Lions, Bears, but without too much separation. You got to think the Vikings regress to the mean after all those one-score victories they had last year. The Packers, I expect to be around the same. The Lions, probably around the same. I know everyone's loving them because they reeled off a bunch of wins in a row. And, I mean, they still didn't make the playoffs last year, and and – you know, they still have Jared Goff, who's a good quarterback, but it's not like they have any, you know, enticing new players. And arguably their most exciting offensive weapon is suspended, I believe, for the first six games of the season for betting on games from his own facility. And then, I mean, I think the Bears are probably the biggest unknown with yeah. the pieces they added. And who knows, they could be this year's Lions where they go from no expectations to the cusp of the playoffs. So that's the great thing about covering the NFC North, as we all do, is it's not the prettiest at times, but it's one of the most interesting and intriguing divisions in football that keep it interesting for us. Yeah, it's going to be such an interesting season to me, especially just seeing how the division plays out. Because to me, I I, I look at the Packers as that second half of the season could change a lot of how people are, how, how ownership in the organization is going to go through the second half of the season. But I'm with you, man. Like, I... I want to say that the Lions are going to take this next step, but haven't we been here before? <laughs> haven't we had the Calvin Johnson, Matthew Stafford Lions who we finally got our running game now with Reggie Bush and we're going to take this next step. We won nine games last year. And then you're like, how'd you guys win six? You know, like I, I want to take that. Like the, the Lions are the class of the division. I don't know if I think the Vikings are either. I just don't think that there is a class in this division. I don't think that there's that much separation between everybody. I, I, in my mind, I like to think that the Packers aren't going to be that good. But realistically, 7-9 and nine is still better than we thought, the, than a lot of people thought that they would end up going this season. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the Vikings, once the Packers realized that they shouldn't give Justin Jefferson 15 yards of cushion every single snap, they... <laughs> beat them by 100 points in week 17. So maybe sticking your all-pro cornerback on arguably the best receiver in the game is a good move, and uh, it paid off and certainly helps that your kick returner returned uh, a kick 105 yards for a touchdown in that game too. But certainly I, I think the Vikings are going to regress. I don't see them putting up 12 wins or whatever they did 
next year. And and like I said, it's it's really a toss-up. I think Justin Fields is a good quarterback who, at the end of this season, people could be saying he's the best quarterback in the division. And that's not just me, you know, catering to Bears fans here since I'm on a Chicago Bears show. But I think it's it's very possible. And and I'm really excited to see, you know, week one, Jordan Love going into Soldier Field. Come on, you can't ask for anything better than that. Yeah, it's the litmus test now for where this rivalry is headed, but also two young quarterbacks drafted around the same time with Love going in the COVID year and then Justin Fields coming the year after. You get a chance to, you know, put strength against an un- more of an unknown, but a strength of this offense would be the quarterback. Now we'll see if those pieces around him actually work if they if they start to show you that the offense is taking another step. But on the other side of that with the Packers offense, I know that you mentioned <clears throat> You know, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, like those are the only two experienced receivers. Like what would be the next step for this offense, even though it's like you're starting over with another court with a new quarterback, but it still is the same offense. Where do they go to for the where does Green Bay go to show that it's on the right track with Jordan Love? You know, uh, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs had pretty solid rookie seasons, but both missed significant time with injuries, and they were never really able to string together consistent stretches. As cliche as it sounds, I think staying healthy is the, the, the biggest thing. Matt LaFleur was very adamant early this offseason that he didn't want a veteran wide receiver in this room to kind of show the guys the ropes. He wants to let these young guys go. Uh, Brian Gutekunst too. I mean, they let Randall Cobb walk. They let Alan Lazard walk. They let Mercedes Lewis go. Those were the three veterans at those two skill positions that really showed everyone the ropes and also contributed significantly. Now you have Dobbs and Watson, who are both 23 years old, and then Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave, who I believe are both 22. Uh, Samori Toure, who's a 2022 seventh-round pick who caught a couple passes last year. He's 25, I think, but still not experienced. They drafted a slot receiver from Michigan State named Jaden Reed in the second round this year. I think he'll kind of fill that Randall Cobb role. But listen, nobody knows what to expect out of these out of these skill positions. But I think at at some point, I think there's something to be said for guys figuring out figuring it out at the same time by themselves. This isn't like now. I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers was too demanding. Obviously, the standard he held for his receivers worked for the last 15 years here. But if, if Rogers last year, for example, was visibly frustrated with some of the mental mistakes, his young receivers would make on the field, not knowing, you know, when to break out of routes, so on and so forth. Jordan love. He's learning all this stuff at the same time as the receivers. There's no waiting for his receivers to, to play catch up. I don't know if that's going to help, but I think it might just make for an easier transition into this whole phase where it's not one guy waiting for everyone else to catch up, and it's just everyone figuring it out together. Now, that could result in 4-13, and 13, who knows, but it's just something different around here, which is exciting, I guess. Is, is, this, a, uh, is this a hot seat season for this Packers team, right? Jordan Love, there's a ton of questions on him. Matt LaFleur, can he make it work with a new quarterback? Can Is his system going to translate? How's he going to be able to communicate that? The defense, like you mentioned, a lot of question marks there where they look like they should have all of these studs, but it doesn't always play out in the game. Is this a hot seat season for a lot of people in that uh, in that room right now? Yeah, hottest seat is definitely Joe Barry, the defensive coordinator, because he has the players to succeed. They've had tremendous individual success, 
but they really haven't put it together consistently as a group on that side of the ball. I think this is his last chance to prove that he can be the DC here. On the offensive side of the ball, I think there's a little bit more string. Jordan Love is probably going to get at least two years to prove he's the guy. They didn't ex- uh, exercise his fifth-year option. Extent- instead, they extended him a year. So basically, gave him more money up front. Doesn't keep the Packers on the hook over the next two years for as much guaranteed money as if they had ex- exercised his option. Um, so they'll see over the next two years if he's the guy. I think hotter seat in the higher-up department is Brian Gutekunst, just because he rolled the dice drafting this guy, ticking off Aaron Rodgers with four years left on his contract. This was his prize, most important draft pick in his now six years as GM. Matt LaFleur's probably got a little bit more leniency, but you know, Aaron, having Aaron Rodgers kind of bought him time, it's always kind of been the feel around here of, okay, we're going to see what kind of coach Matt LaFleur actually is now that he gets to run his own offense. You know, he's kind of pushed back on that, but I think we're going to get to see the kind of coach he really is. Uh, he might get a little bit more string than Goody, but I would say Joe Barry definitely on the hot seat this year and then Goody and LaFleur more so next year because, you know, if Jordan Love stinks this year, Aaron Rodgers wasn't great in his first year either. I think no. he threw 13 interceptions. Packers went 6-10. and 10. I'm not saying if Jordan Love stinks this year, they're going to be like, oh, he's going to be the next Aaron Rodgers. But I think it's fair to at least give him two full years starting and the head coach and GM are kind of in lockstep in terms of their futures here, just as the quarterback is. Well, according to Rodgers, it was the ayahuasca, not LaFleur. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's course, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like second year in the system, had nothing to do with it. Ayahuasca, MVP. Right. Um, speaking of Rodgers, I know how locked in you've been on his transition from Green Bay to the Jets. You were at his introductory press conference. What do you make of the transition he's made and – how how he appears like outwardly i know that yeah. it kind of feels like the ex trying to or somebody trying to show their ex hey i'm doing fine without you we've seen him courtside at Knicks games we've seen him at taylor swift's concert <laughs> all that stuff is 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 fine but like what do you think about him in this next chapter of his career and just how he's coming across publicly with this new chapter about to start yeah i think there have been people on the ever civilized streets of Twitter that say, oh, he's just trying to stick it to the Packers and show him that he's happy at his new place. Listen, as someone from the New York City area myself who has lived in Green Bay the past four years, there ain't much to do here in Green Bay. So I don't blame him for getting out and doing everything possible in New York. When I talked to him on the phone a couple weeks ago, you know, he seemed very happy, at ease. And you've heard Randall Cobb, probably his best friend on planet Earth, say, I haven't seen... Aaron this happy in a while. Now, was that because he didn't like Brian Gutekunst? Perhaps, but I think just a fresh start is what he needed. You know, he was still playing at an elite level when healthy here, but things were just unsalvageable between him and the front office. Now, it didn't really affect much on the field, but I think off the field, he's obviously happier. That's what stuck out to me. On the field, you know, I didn't talk to him about this specifically. I don't know if he really even wanted to play for the Jets. Like, obviously, he's going to say that. But as anyone does in life, you just want to be wanted. And they're the team that wanted him the most. The Packers did not. So now he's on the Jets. And guess what? I still don't think they're going to come anywhere close to the Super Bowl. But he certainly gives them a better chance. And, you know, coming from New York, I know how starved that city is for – great sports figures and icons and winning. And there's no better person to give 
the New York Post headlines and to stir up some interest in Aaron Rodgers. You you mentioned how, you know, he, he just wants to be wanted out there. Did the breakdown with the front office basically happen from the Jordan Love scenario? Is that the beginning of all of this? I mean, it seemed like to me from that moment on, Aaron was like, I'm going to go out here. I'm going to win games because I'm Aaron Rodgers and there's just not much you can do to stop me. But at the end of the day, like, that is the ultimate slap in the face when I'm still getting you MVPs, when I'm still getting us to the playoffs, even though it didn't, you know, provide the playoff runs that many Packers fans would hope for. And why, when I listen to Packers radio after many of those games, that's my <laughs> Super Bowl for the year, by the way. Um, <laughs> when I listen to many of those games and they're just like, get Rodgers out of here. He's old and washed up and we're sick of him. Is that kind of where the breakdown initially happened to where he's in New York now? No, it started before that. It, it's, I think, been a while in terms of him not seeing eye to eye with people who are above him in that building. Now, when I wrote that story a couple of weeks ago, I started the timeline of when they drafted Jordan Love. Not to say, you know, this is where Rodgers first got pissed off, but just because Jordan Love's taken over, it was easy to kind of paint the picture of the last three years. Now, the Jordan Love pick certainly didn't help. You know, he told me how he poured himself a glass of tequila and he was supposed to go back on the Pat McAfee show, didn't end up doing it. And there was a bunch of stuff over the last three years about how they didn't see eye to eye. And, you know, the line he said to me that kind of made me sit up in my chair was, you know, I talked to people that I like referring to why he didn't always communicate with Brian Gutekunst. And obviously the whole thing this offseason was, oh, we couldn't contact him. And Roger's saying, you got to FaceTime me. Whatever the truth is there, you can believe whatever you want to believe. It was time for both sides to go. Um, now, people who say, oh, you should have traded him for a haul after his second MVP season. What GM in their right mind is going to trade a quarterback, no matter how much they don't get along, after he wins two straight MVPs? You can't do that. Um, they found, saw an out this year, financially, and with Jordan Love, they felt finally ready to take over. So it was the right time. Whether it pays off in the long run, we'll see. But I think regardless... Hindsight's always going to be 2020, but I think this was the right move after not just the last three years since they drafted Love, but probably some more stuff beyond that where Rodgers and the front office kind of butted heads a little bit. All right. I'm not going to ask you for like record win loss prediction, <laughs> but tell me one thing if you see it happen this year with the Packers that would really surprise you and maybe show you they are further along or further behind than you thought. Ooh, that's a good question. I was going to give a record prediction. I've said 10 and 7 just because of their schedule. Now, I don't know if that's good enough to win the division. That's probably too optimistic. But something that would surprise me. I'll say I'll say if Jordan Love proves this season that he's the guy. I truly expect this year to be kind of a feeling out year for him. I expect at the end of the season. No, that's obviously not a hot take, so I apologize. But I expect at the end of this season to be like, okay, we saw some good things. We saw some bad. We need to see another year of him before we really make a decision on whether he's the guy. I would be surprised if it's either extreme. If yeah. we say, okay, he's the guy. We got our next Rodgers. I don't expect that in any case, but I would not expect Jordan Love to light the world on fire this year. I don't expect the Packers to throw that much on his plate. I don't expect him to take those insane chances that Rodgers did. I expect him to play it safe more than not and try and let the running game and defense win them games, which they're capable of doing. I also don't expect him to just outright stink. Like if he throws 15 touchdowns and 17 interceptions, they can get rid of him after this year. They have an out after this year. Now I think they're going to give him two years, but 
I don't expect him to completely crash and burn or completely light the league on fire. So one of those would be the Packers are farther along in this and Brian Gutekunst is a genius. The other would be Brian Gutekunst might not have a job next year. I expect it to be, as it probably will, somewhere in the middle. I swear, if they found another Hall of Fame passer, oh, this be podcast sick. is going to feel my wrath. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Matt, we appreciate you for coming on. We appreciate you uh, giving us an inside look at what's really going on around the Packers. Of course, you're at The Athletic, but let the people know out of there in the podcast space where they can find you to follow along and hopefully just troll you for uh, the Bears having a good season. <laughs> Please, I don't mind trolls at all. I, I do a podcast called Head of the Pack over on The Athletic with Bill Huber, who's covered the Packers for a while up here in Green Bay. But yeah, I can't wait to, to see everyone week one. Thanks so much for having me on. Always love talking some football, especially when I'm looking at my watch every day, seeing how many days we have until training camp. Yeah, it is getting lengthy. It's getting lengthy. <laughs> As always, so man. As always, we appreciate you guys for showing love. Hit that like button, subscribe to the page, drop a bird down if you haven't done so. Uh, For Courtney Cronin and Matt Schneidman, I am Pat the Designer. Back at it again. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago, and uh, where where you in 95s? It's it's bad. (laughs) Peace.